You may remember some of these words. Three blind mice, three blind mice, see how they run, see how they run. Georgie Porgy pudding and pie, Jack and Jill, old mother Hubbard. These are very traditional nursery rhymes that have been part of my life since childhood. There are even some newer ones that are quite entertaining. For example, there's this one. One rainy day on my way home from school, I found a big worm and thought it was cool. I picked the worm up with my bare hand, held it high up, and thought, how grand. The worm was so cute and wiggled a lot. I put him in my pocket to show mom what I'd caught. <laughs> on the way home, we walked to a park and sat on a bench. I pulled out the worm and noticed a stench. He looked kind of floppy, but now just wiggled a bit. I thought, oh no, my worm is not fit. I laid him in the dirt and let him go free. I guess that my pocket was not the best place for him to be. And then this one, I made myself a snowball as perfect as could be. I thought I'd keep it as a pet and let it sleep with me. <laughs> I made it some pajamas and a pillow for its head. Then last night it ran away, but first it wet my bed. <laughs> <clears throat> I love that one. Do <laughs> you remember this one? Birdie, birdie in the sky, drop some white stuff in my eye. I'm, I'm a big boy, so I won't cry. I'm just glad that cows don't fly. <laughs> and then this one. Step on a crack and... I hated that thing as a child. Those darn sidewalk cracks used to drive me nuts as a child. I'd walk down, I was with my parents, I'd think, oh my God, I'm gonna break my mother's back if I step on that crack. I wonder who came up with that nursery rhyme. It just, I'd like to talk to them someday about the trauma they've inflicted on generations of children. Anyway, for now, enough about nursery rhymes and enough about cracks for the moment. Our reading today is from Luke's Gospel, in which we heard a few details about Jesus' baptism. Jesus' baptism is described in all four Gospels, although John's perspective is a bit different. And I'm going to combine all the details of the four Gospels, just so we can get an overview of the whole event. We know that before Jesus' ministry began, that a fellow named John the Baptist was quite active. And it was at this time that Jews used water as a ritualistic form of cleansing. It was a way of preparing people to convert to Judaism. And to that end, John went about dunking people in the River Jordan as people were converting. Now, the River Jordan, as you know, to this day runs through Israel from basically the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea. It's about 120 miles long as the crow flies, longer if you measure its twists and turns. And baptism back then, as is the case for adults today, in many ways symbolized the washing away of what had been in a person's life to make room for something new. Baptism was a cleansing, a cleaning away of destructive and self-centered ways of thinking, acting, and relating. But we also know that John's ministry was not just about baptizing people. As a Jew, he had no interest in creating a new religion but rather to reform the existing one, Judaism. And he taught that repentance 
makes a person right with God, not simple birthright or genealogy. Some people at the time believed that whether a person was right with God depended upon a family's lineage. Not so, said John. So in addition to baptizing people and asking people to repent, which means to turn away from sin and turn back to God, John did many other things. And we also learn in the Gospels that a lot of people came to John that were seeking a new life. But I think what was most important about John's ministry was that he made it clear that someone else, Jesus, was coming who was much greater than he was. And John understood it was his role to point to the coming of the Messiah. From the message version of the Bible, it reads, I am baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a new one. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, Jesus, compared to him, I'm just a mere stagehand. He will ignite a new life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. It's at that point that Jesus in this story shows up. Very after soon which Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Now Matthew's gospel tells us that John didn't feel worthy of baptizing Jesus, but Jesus insisted it was God's will. And while we don't completely know why this detail is here in Matthew's gospel, what we do know is that when Jesus came up out of the water after being dunked, the gospels say that the heavens or the sky was opened up and the Spirit of God fell upon Jesus. And God says, this is my Son with whom I am well pleased. So we can learn a lot from this baptism story. We can learn that Jesus is God in the flesh, that God came among us, that repentance and baptism are all about moving from the brokenness of the past into a new life, that the full presence of God, the Holy Spirit, is within us, etc. But there's one detail of this whole story that I want to focus on for just a moment with you. What I find really interesting, in particular in Mark's gospel, is how Mark describes the event. Mark says that when Jesus came up out of the river, the heavens were torn apart. And here Mark uses a Greek word, schizo, to describe this tearing apart of the heavens and of the skies. Schizo is the word from which we get our English words schism and even schizophrenia. So when Mark says the heavens were torn apart when Jesus was baptized, it was not a gentle event. It was a ripping open, a splitting, a tearing of the heavens. It's as if Jesus' ministry began in the presence of a tear. And this tear was a central part of Jesus' life. You see, if you take a close look at Jesus' life, whenever something was torn apart, or conversely, when something needed to be torn, Jesus did it. For example, when Jesus was around, there was a vast gulf, separation, split, between the powerful and the weak, between the haves and the haves-nots, between those who could take care of themselves and those who could not. And Jesus ripped right into that gulf and tore into the systems that caused that separation to begin with. When Jesus ministered and taught, time after time after time, he ran into people 
with incredibly hard hearts, especially religious people. Incredibly hard hearts. And Jesus ripped right into their hard hearts to soften them up, to fill them with compassion, and most importantly, room for God. When Jesus walked through the promised land, time and time and time again, he ran into rigid, hierarchical, exclusionary, overly ritualized religious institutions run by self-centered and self-serving leaders. And he ripped into that institution, one day even throwing things around the temple. When Jesus ran into hypocrisy, or people who prided themselves on big egos, or lack of humility, or coldness, or disdain for those on the margins, or holier-than-thou attitudes, Jesus tore into them. When Jesus encountered people who held on to the letter of the law, forgetting the heart of the law, he challenged it. Remember one day he was healing a man on the Sabbath day, and the religious leaders you can't, said, you cannot heal on the Sabbath day, it's the law. And Jesus said, you're forgetting about the heart of the law. Wherever Jesus went, he tore apart evils and Satan's hold on people. He broke apart social injustices. He blasted through people's long-held and cherished yet mistaken views of God. And what this tells me about God is that our God is not one who sits idly by when things are going wrong, amiss, or broken. He shows up, tears up, splits apart, and sets things right. Yet, we know also that Jesus didn't tear down for the sake of tearing down. He did so to set things right and to bring about God's kingdom. But it is essential to point out, if you read the stories about Jesus, he didn't just tear things up, did he? He also brought about healing and wholeness and peace and restoration and relief to those people or places that were torn up but never should have been. Read the gospel stories over and over and over. Jesus shows up in the midst of torn up lives. There was this woman who suffered for more than a decade from some bleeding disorder. She'd seen doctor after doctor after doctor and spent all of her money. And Jesus broke into her torn up life and healed her. The same was the case for a woman who was caught in adultery. Or the young boy who had seizures day after day after day after day. Jesus tore into his brokenness and healed him. The man with the withered hand, the blind man, the deaf man, the little girl who died. And Jesus tore into that place of death and decay and restored her to life. The hungry, the paralyzed, those who were mentally tormented day after day after day after day. The confused, those who were heartbroken, Jesus tore into their lives and healed them. And he did it wherever he found brokenness, despair, and hurt. So what I'm saying here is that Jesus' ministry began when the heavens were torn apart. What a symbol for his entire ministry. And the rest of his life, Jesus moved from being blessed from that heavenly tear to tearing down what needed to be torn and restoring what should never have been torn to begin with. Maybe a little gimmicky, but I like images. If, if you're willing to, just take your bulletin. Just put a tear in it. 
and hold on to it today. Put it on the fridge or in your pocket or in your dashboard. And use this as an image where Jesus is to be found. Jesus will tear what needs to be torn in our lives and what will heal what should not be torn. For example, are there things in your life that have gone awry? Are there areas that only the power of God can break through and tear through to bring about the need of change you have been seeking but have been stuck? I know in my own life, there are things that I need for Christ to tear out of my life. I know there are things that are off base from what God wants for me. I know that there are ways of being sometimes that don't reflect following Jesus closely, and I need God to rip those ways of being, those ways of thinking, those ways of approaching things right out of me. God wants us to be transformed and never to be stuck. Conversely, I believe the story of the skies opening up when Jesus was baptized invites each, each of us to ask, where there are areas in our lives that are torn? Where do we need Christ to come into those torn up, split apart places? Where do we need the healing of God? Where do we need God to put the pieces back together? Yes, Jesus tears what's need to be torn and heals what should not be. Remember earlier I shared that Mark used the word schizo to describe what happened to the sky when Jesus was baptized. That schizo, as I said, means to tear, to split apart. And what's really amazing to me, and this really hit me this week, what's really amazing to me is there's only one other place that Mark uses, uses that word in, the, in his entire gospel. When Jesus was hung on the cross to die, in the middle of that Friday afternoon, Jesus took his last breath, And as he took his last breath, here's what Mark says. Mark writes, Jesus, with a loud cry, gave his last breath, and at that moment, the temple curtain was ripped down the middle. And the word that Mark uses is the same word that he uses when Jesus was baptized, schizo. Jesus' ministry began with a tear and ended with a tear, which tells me this concept of tear is so important for us to pay attention to. You see, when Jesus died and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, it was at that moment that any separation between God and each of us was eliminated permanently. There is nothing that can separate us from God, not even those things that need to be torn down or those places in which we find ourselves to be torn apart. None of it separates us from God. You might even say that God is a God of the tear. And it's precisely into those places that need to be torn or need to be healed that we will find Jesus. And Jesus does everything to bring us back to him day after day after day after day, tearing into what needs to be changed and healing what need not be torn. And he does this because he wants us. When I began this morning, I shared some silly nursery rhymes. Jack and Jill and Georgie Porgy and step on a crack and break your mother's back. Life is awesome. We are all so blessed. Look at where we have the moment to sit right now. Surrounded by the grandeur of God. We have people in our lives that love us and care for us. 
We have shelter. We have food. We have water. What more do we really need? But in the midst of that tremendous blessing, for each of us, there are parts of our lives that don't feel like a nursery rhyme. Parts and places of our lives where the words don't rhyme or sound poetic in a way that makes us feel delight. And as I think about that, and as I think about stepping on your mother's, or breaking your mother's back by stepping on a crack, I started thinking about cracks. And then it hit me. Jesus is a master of cracks. He cracks open what needs to be cracked open in our lives. And he heals those places that feel irreparably cracked. And so I invite you now and over the hours ahead to Take your torn bulletin and spend some quiet time with God. And God, what in my life needs to be cracked open where I'm stuck? Lord, I need you to do some tearing. Not because you're mean, but because you love me and you want me to be transformed. Where is it, God, in my life where I feel torn up or split apart? Where is there some crack that's causing me some pain and I need your healing? And ask God for that healing. I think it's amazingly great news that God will tear what needs to be torn and will heal whatever is torn need no longer be as our loving God is a master at dealing with cracks. Thanks be to God. And let's pray.